So Steve's jumping up here. If you don't know, he's been our, he was our youth pastor for decades, <laughs> and now he's semi-retired. <laughs> <laughs> if you call it semi-retired, I don't know about that right now. Well, good morning. Hey, pull out your notes with me, please. Also, these blindfolds, I thought I'd give you an opportunity to nap during my sermon. Yeah, so then you could say it was a great message, couldn't you then? Yeah, hold on to them. We'll come back to them in a few. Um, well, it's great to be with us this morning. What a privilege it is to share baptism and all the good stuff that's going on. Um, it's just good stuff happening, folks. I hope you've been here for the last couple of weeks as Pastor Pete's been talking about uh, discipleship. Great focus on what it means to not just know Jesus, but to let Jesus live through us minute by minute, day by day, through the Holy Spirit. Okay, he talked about that three weeks ago. Then two weeks ago, brought in Nicodemus. Nicodemus, sorry. Bodwell's English is just off once in a while. But reminds us, no matter what age we are, no matter how long we've been in church or not in church, we're still called to be his disciple. Doesn't matter we've been in church for 90 years. We're still called to know him and serve him and deepen that relationship and understanding of who he is and what he's about minute by minute, day by day. And then last week we talked about the woman at the well and the need to be in relationship. Not only with Jesus, but with one another. The discipleship comes through one another. Uh, Dave, uh, Dave was just talking about getting in small groups. We should be. I meet with a bunch of guys, 6 a.m., a little early from Bodwell's brain, um, at OPH on Wednesday mornings. Okay, I got a young adult small group. Um, get to lead a high school small group also. Small groups are the key to continue to grow in that relationship with Jesus Christ. The key to growing in that relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to have Kim come up and uh, read our passage for the morning. But as she's coming up, I want to remind us to celebrate. I want to remind us to celebrate. To celebrate the good things God's doing here. The good things that's happening. Um, November. We got to celebrate Pastor David and his wife, didn't we? All those years of investment in bringing us to where we are today. And we got to celebrate not only their investment, but then they're going on to where God's leading to them next. And we get to celebrate that. Three months later, Pastor Pete and his wife show up with Jonathan being here. And we get to be part of that celebration of the good things that God's doing as he leads us, encourages us, prays for us, cares for the staff. That celebration. Rob coming up here this morning. And being here, celebration. Joe showing up, being celebration. Lindsey Bunn taking over the youth ministry, celebration. It's good stuff. David Miles, the other night, I was walking here to lock up the building. And I walk in, and I'm coming down the stairs. And uh, uh, they were talking about their spiritual gifts. And I'm going, going what's going on here? Because I had no clue, of course. I'm just coming to lock the building, yada, yada, yada. And, and then I walk down the hospitality room, and they're talking more and more. And I'm going... What an incredible group of people that have been brought together for discipleship. For discipleship. To come to agree, again, a deeper understanding of what it means to know and serve Jesus and go invest in others. And that's happening here, folks. Change is good. Change is positive. Change means that God is working. Buy it. And get on board. Get on board, because if God is sitting around, or if we're just sitting around, we're not allowing God to move us, are we? 
If God is really going to work and we're allowing him and we're going to be disciples, that means change is going to happen here and here. And we need to be excited that God is moving. Make sense? A little amen to that? Thank you. Kim, reading, if you'll stand in honor of God's word, if you're able, we're going to read Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So this morning, you've got in your notes, you'll see three points, somewhat honoring Pastor Frank, of course, because of three points. Um, I was actually planning to do two, and in this, those God moments, three came about. I was talking to Susan on Wednesday on the phone. She was at work, and I'm going, yeah, it's somewhat come together. God, and I've been figuring this out, da 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 and it's coming together. But you know what, Susan? It seems simple. It seems too simple. And then there was a little pause on the phone, and I think she's letting me process what I just said. My wife does that so well for me. And I said, maybe that's where I'm at right now. Maybe that's where I am at right now. Just the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. The simplicity of his love, his grace, his mercy. The simplicity of his word that we, as human beings, have a tendency to make way too complicated at times. So if this is simple, I apologize. It's where God threw it at me. So here we go. Point number one. Fill in that blank with me, please. God wants all to be in relationship with him. See, Paul's story in Acts chapter 9 comes about that Paul, uh, that God reminds us that he wants to be in a relationship with us all. Because let's think about Paul for a minute. If we read in Philippians chapter 3, Paul reminds us of all the great things he was doing. He was a Pharisee. He was born of the right people, the right tribe, was climbing that ladder, was circumcised on the eighth day like he was supposed to be, was gaining wealth, was gaining knowledge, and gaining some prestige, going, woo, I'm climbing the ladder. There's number one, woo. If you're not counting, I will, friend. So he's climbing the ladder, people, doing what he was supposed to be doing, earning his way a little bit to heaven, earning his little bit, way a little bit to know Jesus about earning, about what am I doing? What am I doing to get there? 
And then not only was he earning, but then we go to the other radical side, and he's not only throwing murderous threats, he's not only trying to collect people to take him to jail for following the way, following Jesus. But if we read in Acts chapter 7, what did he do? He said, hey guys, let me hold your coat so they don't get dirty while you stone Stephen to death. Let me just hold them because I don't want them to get dirty while you're, doing, while you're doing God's work here, supposedly, of stoning the first martyr. So here we are. I got Paul, murderous on one side, earnest way on the other side. It says Jesus comes in and says, let me interrupt, Paul. I want to be in relationship. I want you to be in relationship with me. And you see, so many times, I think we as the human race start to put our list together. I've done this, I've done that. Jesus is not going to accept me because of all these things that have happened in my life or I've caused to happen or I've chosen to happen. And so God's not going to forgive me this time or God's not going to love me this time. Or we go to the other side of the list. I haven't done enough. I haven't shown up to church. I didn't get involved in that small group. Didn't read my Bible study today. Didn't do this. Didn't pray enough. I didn't. We make these lists of why God shouldn't love us and we shouldn't be in relationship with him. Paul's the perfect example that God wants to be in relationship with us all, no matter what the list is. And it's time that we forget the list and be in relationship with Jesus because he died on the cross. We're going to have communion today to remind us it's not about the list. It's about the relationship. And so many times we make the list of things we've done so many times we make the list about maybe even people we've hurt, how we've let somebody down. I'm a people pleaser, so that's my list. And will God still love me? Will God still accept me? Am I even really saved? People, Paul's the ultimate example of reminding us it's not about the list anymore. It's about relationship with the God who loves us, who died for us, who took our place. Some of you in this room may have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because of the list. Don't let the list keep you from knowing the one true living God. God's forgiven you. God's forgiven me. God's forgiven us all because of his death on the cross. Some of us in this room have been following Christ for a while, but the list has gotten in our way of knowing and walking with Jesus. Because maybe we're struggling with a sin. Maybe we're struggling with a family issue and that list has become so big and so daunting that I haven't let Jesus forgive me and love me. Jesus died for that list. And if he can die and accept Paul, the ultimate of murderers for Jesus and the ultimate of let me earn my way for, for God, he died for you and me too. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Classic passage. For it is by grace you've been saved. Not the list. Not the list. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves. No, this is not about us. It's about Jesus. It's the gift of God. Not by works going back. We can't earn it. That no one can boast. If we're going to be a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, it's about Jesus and not the list, people. Want to encourage us with that. And isn't there freedom in going, it's not about what I've done and haven't done. It's just about knowing Jesus. Isn't that bringing breath of fresh? That's kind of nice. Yeah, woo! I wasn't even mine. I don't know if you count that or not. 
point number one, Jesus wants to be in a relationship with all of us. And Paul's story reminds us of that. Number two, you have a story. You have a story. If you've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, friend, redeemer, forgiver, leader, whatever word you want to put to that, but you're in relationship with him, you have a story to share. Paul's story, not only shared here in uh, Acts chapter 9, but you go to Acts 22, he tells his story again to one group of people. Then you go to Acts chapter 26, and he tells it again. All in just the book of Acts. We all have a story to share. A story of God's love, a story of how God has changed us and molded us and challenged us to something more than this world has a tendency to offer us. And I don't care if you accepted Jesus Christ at the age of four. You still have a story. Oh, you're going, oh, but Steve, I've gone to church. I've read my Bible. I've done some Bible stories. What, what stories in that? Isn't that a great story? How God has changed you and molded you to buy it into something else that's true, that's real, that promotes kindness, that promotes loveness, that lives in and through us by the power of the Almighty God and His Holy Spirit. That's the story, people. But here's the excuse I hear. Uh, I don't know enough Bible to tell my story. Uh, Steve, I, 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 I'm not good at answering those off-the-wall questions. Steve, I don't have a Bible degree. Steve, I've never won a debate for Jesus. Where is it one place in the Bible that Jesus says, hey, you got to have a Bible degree before you share your story because that's only when someone's going to come to Jesus because when you have enough Bible knowledge, do that. When does Jesus say, hey, you got to win all those debates, you know, all those questions, you got to have all the answers for when you share your story. I don't think there's any of that anywhere. He just says, share the story. And if our God is as big as our God says he is, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-powerful creator, does he need to be defended? Does he really need to be defended? Isn't our job not to defend God, but to share what God's done in and through us minute by minute, day by day, and how he's changed us? Isn't that the power that we have a tendency to forget today? The power of changed life? Yes, we want to see all these big things happen and world change and da-da-da. But I think some of the biggest heart and the big, toughest thing to do is to change life. And Jesus said, I have come to change life and to change your and my life. That's a story worth telling. But are we ready to tell it? Most of you know I was born and raised in Maple Valley. Grew up around Tahoma Elementary, used to be Tahoma Middle, Tahoma Junior High, Tahoma Senior High, the oldest building in the, in the, in the area. My dad came out here, uh, was hired by Boeing his junior year at Purdue University. Um, my mom was a teacher right here at Cedar River, uh, now elementary, used to be middle school, junior high also. <laughs> then I came along and that screwed up that job. Um, and then my brother and sister came along and so we started going to a church called First Pres of Renton over there on Old Benson. Kind of what spurred us on here eventually. Um, Dad got tired of the preacher, so we quit going. I remember being in a Sunday school room downstairs at First Pres. Don't ask me why. Not a negative, not a positive. Just I remember the room at age four or five. Weird for my brain. Um, grew up in Maple Valley. 
Sixth, seventh, eighth grade was a tough time in the Bodwell household. Yelling, screaming, not a fun place to be. It was a tough place to be, actually. Um, one night, ran to the neighbor's house to sleep because it was so loud at the Bodwell house, and I didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be there. Not a proponent of divorce. I'm just glad something happened because I was tired of the yelling and screaming. And mom and dad got divorced. But because of that, uh, as Rob sang about today, God will still work through the evil stuff. The stuff that's tough. The stuff that's not easy. My mom started uh, be, uh, hanging out with a bunch of ladies. They would pray in the morning. I am here today. Excuse me. I'm here today because of prayer. Hold on, I'm sorry, guys. Don't mean to do that to you. I usually try and not get emotional. Oh, that's some of the stuff. Especially when I've shared it before. She uh, hung out with Miss Davina, Miss Sefferfish, and Miss Miles. And they'd pray for us kids. And they'd share the goods and the bads and all that stuff. Uh, she did a little BSF during that time also. Um, I started dating a girl by the name of Wendy Stocks. We had one of those deep, intense, meaningful life-changing, somewhat actually, three-week relationships. <laughs> but in that three weeks, I went to a Bible study with her, and after we broke up, because I'm sure I was too chaos and etc., cetera, uh, I continued to go to that Bible study. And one day, spring of my junior year, I was laying in the bottom bunk at the Bodwell house. That's where my brother and I had bunk beds in our, in our room. And I said, Jesus, if you're real, Jesus, if you're true, come into my life. And I rolled over and took a nap. But you know what? Ever since that day, God has been putting me in leadership positions. Suddenly I was the ASB president my senior year at Toma High School. Went to Oregon State University. Go Beavs. Three times World Series champions. Gotta love that baseball. Folks, sorry. Don't get that in often. Gotta get it while I can. Um, um, at Oregon State, became concert committee chairman my, my sophomore year when a bunch of seniors applied. Was involved with the Campus Crusade for Christ. Was in a discipleship group as a sophomore that was pretty much only open for juniors and seniors. Um, was a resident assistant in the dorms. Um, was leading Bible studies. Not because of me, but because Jesus transformed me. Jesus challenged me. Jesus chose to use me and use the gifts he'd given me. Minute by minute, day by day. In 86, fall of 85, actually met with David Deal and Judy Goodwin, Thunderbird Lodge in Kelso, talking about me coming here full-time. Then it was youth director. Not only a youth director, got the privilege then to coach football, which I still get the privilege to do today, help out with leadership. God continued to form and mold my leadership gifts as I led, got the privilege to walk with and lead the PE department to home high school in a team building and value-setting goal. I got the privilege to speak to Shadow Lake Elementary School with the whole t staff on Tuesday. Do you know how much they talk about us? What we do with Kid Reach? And how thankful they are for us for that? Do you know how much they talk about us in that we served them a meal, I think, last year or even this year? I'm not sure when it was, but they still talk about it and say thank you for that while I was there. You know how thankful they are for the backpack buddies that are out of the house on the hill now that are serving kids and giving them food for the weekend? And they know it's, we're part of that. They know Jesus is working, folks. It's because we're serving and caring for others. And then along in my life story, I got the privilege 
and it is a privilege, because I married up by far. <laughs> and I totally raise my hand to that and admit that. Okay? <laughs> a lot of us males do raise our hands to that one, don't we? And my, part of my story is marrying an incredible lady who encourages me in serving our God and in serving our body of Christ. That's my story. See, it's about life change. And too many times, there was not a no one's going to debate my story, are they? And go, ah, oh, Steve, that really never happened. Steve, you didn't do this. God didn't use you there, Steve. They're not going to debate the story, but they, they get to see the life change. I shouldn't be here today. I should be building bridges and designing roads and all that other stuff in my construction engineering degree. I shouldn't be here. But it's because of God's life change, of God grabbing a hold of me. Just like Paul shouldn't be out writing two-thirds of the New Testament, should he? He should have been collecting more Christians and put them in jail. But God transformed his life. God transformed his life as he's transformed your life. As a disciple, who needs to hear your story? Do you have some of your main points for your story that you can share where Jesus has changed you and molded you and shaped you and called you and giving you a hope that you can't find anywhere else. That's reminding you that you have value, worth, and meaning in Jesus Christ. And his blood shed for you and me. Point one, God wants to be in relationship with us all. Point two, you have a story. Matthew, I want to put that up there. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them all and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very the end of the age. We're called to go make disciples. Which means we're called to share the story. How God has cared for us. And invested in us. And changed us. What a privilege it is to share the power of the life change. Of what Jesus has done, folks. Count it as a privilege. Not a guilt trip thing to do. Counted as a privilege to share the life change God has done. Because too many times we count it as, oh, I need to go do this because I'm told to do this. Or I need to go do this because... Count it the privilege, folks. Isn't it exciting to show what Jesus has done in our life? When we share it in a story, when we share about his love, his grace, his mercy. Point number three. What's your blindfold? Here's my prop for the day. If... You have an extra blindfold next to you. Would you put it in the air? I've got a couple of people that are going to run around and collect them for me in case someone that doesn't have one can get one. There's extra blindfolds. Come around, get them. Good, 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 good. Yep, yep, good. Collect, collect, collect. Good job, guys. Thanks for doing that. They're running around. Then my next hand's going to be raised if you want the blindfold. Oh, good. Thank you for doing that. They'll collect them as fast as they can. Okay. Here, I'll even help. Isn't it great when you got a wireless mic? Thanks, Corey, for giving me a wireless mic. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. Here, Ethan, I'll give you these all to you. Marvelous. Now, if you need a blindfold, raise your hand. Some upstairs. Oops, sorry. Some upstairs. Anybody need a blindfold? Who needs blindfolds? Go give them blindfolds. They got their hands in the air. Beautiful. I only bought 400, and I admit that. Okay? Only 400. Only 400, I know. I know I do need to step up the game. Uh, will you bring me one too, Nick? I gave mine away. <laughs> oh, thank you, Pastor Reed. 
So, this morning, Bodwell's activity, not only a prop, but an activity. <laughs> Scary, I know. You do not have to participate in this activity. Gentlemen, I am sorry. I know you worked on your hair for an hour or two to be here at church. I might muss it up, gentlemen. I might muss it up, so I apologize in advance. As I told Suze that I was going to preach blindfolded, she laughed at me and goes, do I need to put a leash on you? Because what happens if you fall off the stairs or run into something? And um, I told her I was actually going to attempt to sit and do this. So, if you want to, you do not need to. You do not need to put on your blindfolds. I'll totally admit that, okay? But you're going to watch me as I sit blindfolded, which is totally fine, okay? So, on the count of three, if you want to. If you don't want to, you can keep your blindfold, though, too. On the count of three, here we go. Ready? One, two, three, go. Grab my chair. Grab my chair. Here's the weird thing, people, that God blinded Paul. He blinded him for three days. And I think the weird part about this is I think Paul needed to be blinded. See, I think Paul was having a, a huge value change, a huge change in, in what his direction was and what his purpose. Here he was grabbed by Jesus, who he was persecuting. Jesus that claimed to be God because Paul even admitted he was God going, Lord, who are you? He knew it was God. And suddenly his life was being changed. And I think Jesus needed to blind him so Paul could say, take some time to process what needs to happen here. Who do I need to trust? Who do I need to become? Where are you leading me, God? Asking those questions. And I think so many times, it's not, in my opinion, it's not God who blinds us, but we blind ourselves. We blind ourselves to the love God has for us. We blind ourselves um, to what God wants to do in our life. See, because a lot of us in this room, we've had to deal with death. Death isn't a fun thing. Whether it be a friend, coworkers, we heard about this morning, family. And we let that, we, we let that blindness then come into our life and say, it's not fair, Jesus, it's not right, and, I, and I'm going to focus on that death and live in the grief and live in the bitterness of that and not see what you want to do in the ugliness of that, God. Or something unfair happens at school or at work, either by a teacher, a boss, or a friend, and we walk through, and then we start to walk through going, well, this isn't fair, this isn't right, I, I, I need to figure out something, I'm angry, I'm bitter, it's not right, and we start to blind our eyes to what God wants to do. And how God wants to love us and care for us. Or we have an illness come across in our family. Or with a good friend. And we go, man, this isn't fair. As most of you know, my mom passed away in 94. And in that passing, there was four years of her back part of her brainstem losing mass. It lost 25% of its mass by the time she passed away. There's just a big black hole back there in the last MRI we took. And for a while there, it was, God, why? God, I don't understand. God, this isn't fair. Why do we have to take care of my mom? She's 54. It should be fine. What's the big deal? Come on, Jesus. I don't understand, God. I don't know why. And yet, God challenged me, Steve, are you going to worry about the why or worry about knowing me and serving me? Oh, that was a tough one, people. 
Oh, that was a tough one. Because so many times I wanted to leave the blinders on. Oh, it wasn't fair. It wasn't one right. I wanted to circle up in my little cubby and just go, ah! Which I did a little bit. But then Jesus challenged me. Are you going to let her death dictate what you do or are you going to let me dictate what you do, Steve? That was tough. And you see, folks, too many times we put the blinders on ourselves from seeing what God wants to do and how God wants to work through us because circumstances happen in life. Things aren't fair. And Jesus knows that. That's why he came. And that's why I think after three days, he lifted the blinders of Paul to remind him, I came to bring you life. I came to bring you purpose. I came to be, remind you that you have value, worth, and meaning found in me. Paul, go and serve. Go and serve. But yet, how many times do I keep my blinders on and I miss what God wants to do? I keep my blinders on and go, well, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to live in this, Jesus. And you do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do. And we'll just go this way. And I miss seeing all the greatness that God is and who he is and the great things he wants me to do in caring and serving for others and being his disciple. You can take the blindfolds off now. I think so many times we let this stuff dictate our lives, people. And if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we need to take the blinders off. And yes, there's times of grief. Don't have, I don't want to argue with that. There's times of hurt. I don't want to argue with that either. And there's times where, where things are going on that we have no control of that we're going, what am I supposed to do with this, Jesus? I agree with all that. But if we let those things dictate our life instead of the power and the truth and the leading of Jesus Christ, we live in the darkness, don't we? Instead of the light of God. Instead of the light of Jesus. And I don't know what this blindfold represents for you. Maybe it represents hurt. Maybe it represents guilt. Maybe it represents being treated unfairly. Jesus says, I want to help you take you off the blinds. I want to help take you off the blindfold. And I think it's, it's difficult, but it's easy at the same time. One, it's by admitting we have a blindfold, isn't it? And then we have a tendency to put it on. Two, I think it's talking to Jesus about it. God, I hate that my mom died. I get frustrated that my mom died. But Jesus, help me see the different picture. Help me to see beyond that death, Jesus. Help me to see that you still have a purpose and a plan for me, Jesus. Help me to take this off. Then to me, it's also maybe talking to someone about what you have a tendency to put the blindfold on for. Maybe it's discipleship group. Sometimes this is a pretty dark blindfold that we might need to get some professional help with. That's okay. <clears throat> Celebrate. We live in a place that we can get that help, people. We should take advantage of it. We should take advantage of that. Take advantage of that. And the great thing is that God wants to help us remove this so we see his power, so we see his love, so we see the joy and the, the fruit of the spirit that he wants to live through us minute by minute, day by day, and we can see his goodness and his truth. Woo! I don't know what number on. Thank you. Glad someone's counting for me. But how many times we let this dictate us instead of the power of Christ?
I'm going to encourage you to take these home. Maybe you need to write on them what that thing is that has a tendency to blind you. Maybe you need to put it by your bedstand or hang it on your mirror. Well, hopefully it won't block your view too much. Again, <laughs> matches the thing. Maybe you need to write your verse on it that, that, that helps you keep from being blinded. Mine's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. When this starts to come on, I got to quote that. 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 Because it's about trusting Jesus, not trusting me, and not trusting what this is trying to sell me. Because all this tries to sell me is darkness. All this tries to sell me is selfishness. All this usually tries to sell me is pity and woe is me. And Jesus doesn't want that. Jesus wants to bring us life. Jesus wants to bring us purpose. Jesus wants to remind us we have value, hope, purpose, meaning, and he shed blood and the life he wants to give us minute by minute, day by day. I encourage you to take these home. I encourage you to write something on them. I encourage you to be a reminder that God doesn't want us blinded as he didn't want Paul blinded, but Paul needed to see some things, didn't he? And the blindness caused that. But he was given sight after three days. God wants to always be giving you sight to his love, grace, and mercy and call. Always to your love, grace, and mercy and call from him. Bottom lines there at the bottom. Just real quick. Have you allowed Jesus to save you? It's got to be a question. And if you've allowed him to save you, how do you allow him to walk with you minute by minute, day by day? Without the list. Without the list. Number two, what is your Jesus story? With whom does Jesus want you to share your story? encourage you to get those together, folks. There are people in your life right now who need to hear your Jesus story. You never know when, you never know why, you never know how. There's too many random times where people go, why do you do church, Steve? Why are you going here? Why, why, why do you do that, Steve? Why do you act the way you do, Steve? <laughs> no comments. I'm going to blame Jesus for that one. Woo, there's number four. Number three and last, what blinders have you put on? For what reason? Has Jesus, and I don't know if I, sorry, this is one, after I turned in my notes, I kind of questioned that I put it in here. I admit that. But the question is, has Jesus put blinders on you? And for what reason? I'm not sure if Jesus does it that often. I think we do it to ourselves. Paul's a radical situation. I think it does happen once in a while. And maybe it's happened for you, but most of the time the blinders are on because of us. And because of the circumstances we allow to dictate us. Folks, if we're going to continue to be disciples of Jesus, it's about trusting that he saved us. It's about that we have a story to share. And he wants to take the blinders off. He wants us to take the blinders off so we see his power, his truth, and love in our lives. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, just thank you for being the God of all power and all truth. Thank you that no matter what we do, it's not about the list anymore, Jesus. It's about knowing and serving you. Yeah, it doesn't give us permission to do what we want whenever we want. But it's trusting in you, almighty God. It's trusting in you. Help us, Jesus, with the blinders. Because when we realize what we've been blinded by and what we've allowed to blind us, that can be tough, almighty God. That can be tough. Help us be your disciple. 
Help us be your disciple, which is walking with you minute by minute and day by day, Almighty God. Thanks for what you do for us. It's in your name we pray and everyone said.